0: Hello? Hello? Are we all here? Everybody, everybody made it? Are we all accounted for? Good, 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 good. Hi, welcome to another episode of Truths Be Told, the podcast. Uh, Welcome, everyone. This episode is very special. It may hit close to home, keyword being home. Who is in your home? Your family, who is quite often the patriarchal figure of that family. The patriarch, your dad. Listen, I don't practice these intros, guys. Um, Yes, this is an episode about fathers, and it's called Daddy Dearest. Yeah, I actually have a lot of um, conflicting feelings about this episode. I was uh, a little timid to share my own experience, but I'm going to because that is the name of the game. That is literally what I am selling with this podcast. Honesty. Um, First of all, I want to say, doing an episode about fathers on this podcast, I, I had thought of this topic a long time ago, and I was... uh surprised at what type of stories found me for this episode. I thought it'd be a lot of dad jokes, a lot of light stuff, maybe something sad, but really a lot of levity. But really what I found is just there are so many different ways to have a family and there's so many different ways that you can have a dad or not have a dad. And That isn't always positive, and that isn't always negative either. So, um, and also, I realized, when you interview people about their fatherhood stuff, uh, what you realize quite quickly is that that's not going to be a short clip. Nope. People talk at length, which is fine, because it was very interesting. But it meant that there will be uh, no panel discussion, because we just don't have time. We don't have time, but that's okay. My three guests did such an amazing job. And I think you'll really, really love it. And I couldn't trim it down because it was all interesting. So buckle up. This episode is going to make you think and make you feel. Well, it's definitely making me feel some things. Um, I'm thinking about my dad right now at this point in my life. Him and I have a bit of a contentious relationship at the moment. Um, We're not really chatting too much these days. Off and on. Talking a lot with my mom. My parents are still together. Um, I saw him recently, and we bonded, and that was really nice. I, I felt like we were healing some stuff, and we were talking about some issues that stressed me out, and I was really happy with how open-minded he was to some of my feelings, and I really appreciate that, Um, but then things kind of got off track again. I'm not going to get too specific, because I'm sure he wouldn't like that, and to be honest, I don't want to do that either, Um, but I will say this, I... (sighs) I struggle a lot with my relationship with my father. I have a lot of uh, feelings regarding feeling emotionally not taken care of. Taken care of in other ways, but emotionally not always taken care of by my dad. And I have a lot of anger. A lot of anger. And now that I'm 30... I'm really trying to process that and take apart what's on me to deal with, but then also not let him off the hook for things that I feel my dad should be responsible for. And if I'm being real, the reason we're not talking right now is I I feel really hurt and angry and I want my dad to, to take care of me more. Emotionally, And help me heal that hurt I don't even know if he's listening Maybe he's listening right now I don't know if he listens um, We've had a rough couple of years Just the last two or three I mean, we've had a lot of rough years But the last two or three have been particularly um, Quiet on both our ends And I really hope if he is listening right now that he tries to understand that things that maybe that don't matter so much to him matter a lot to me. And probably vice versa. I'm really I would like to try harder to understand my father's perspective, but I there are things I need that I really need from him. I really need those things. And I hope he can be open to them in the future. That sounded vague as hell, guys. But you know what? I, if I'm going to be truthful, i got to keep some of it private. Um, what I want to share for a story, though, is something positive. I don't want to regale you with stories of me and my dad having a shouting match at each other. Um... I want to tell you about a time that I felt at the time I hated that he did this, but looking back on it, it's something that makes me really love and appreciate my dad. So hopefully if my dad's listening, he hasn't turned it off. When I was like eight or nine, I lived on a cul-de-sac in the suburbs of Edmonton and I loved playing street hockey. And I think it was like a Saturday or Sunday morning. I woke up in my bedroom very early, earlier than normal, and I looked out the window in front of my bed, and I saw all the boys who were around my age in the cul-de-sac playing street hockey. The nets were up, and they were picking teams, and I got so excited because I played ringette, Uh, which is an ice sport that's very similar to hockey. And I liked playing street hockey a lot. I was a little tomboy. And I got very excited, and I immediately got out of my PJs, got into my regular clothes, ran out. Um, My dad was in the garage with the garage door open so he could see all the kids playing, and he was sweeping in the garage. And I grabbed my stick and ran past him, and went out to the cul-de-sac to play street hockey. Now, these boys were my friends, or acquaintances, but, you know, sometimes I played with them, sometimes I didn't. Um, And I ran over, and I said I'd like to play, and then one of the boys kind of pulled me aside. He did like me. He was like a friend, sort of. He might have had a crush on me. I don't know what was going on there. Anyways, he pulled me aside, and he said... Halen's hey, in like a soft voice. Um actually this game is going to be just just the boys for this one. It's just like an all all boy game. So like maybe another time, okay? And he said it like he was letting me down easy. And the rejection hit me pretty hard. I felt a lump uh, appear in my throat. And I was kind of holding back tears. And I did a good job. I didn't let them see that I was upset. And I said, okay, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, next time. Um, But I felt so rejected and humiliated. Um, And then I jogged back to the open garage where my dad was sweeping, and I put the stick back. And my dad had seen me run out there literally 30 seconds before. And he said hey what was that about why aren't you playing and I again did not want to share this with my dad so I swallowed that lump in my throat even harder and I said oh nothing I just I decided I don't want to play I'm gonna just play inside I changed my mind and my dad looked at me and I just ran inside um and he kind of had a stern expression and then like half an hour later, I think I just watched TV or hung out in my room. Half an hour later, I come outside again because I'm bored and it's summer, I think. And um, my dad is still sweeping. And as soon as I walk outside, he, you know, he doesn't even look at me. It just keeps sweeping. All the boys that were playing hockey run towards the end of my driveway. Like they run to me. With, like, terror in their eyes. And they run to me, and they all kind of say at the same time, freaked out, Do you want to play hockey with us? Please play hockey with us. You want to play? You can be on our team. Come come, come play. And I was like, really? And then I grabbed my stick, and I went out and I played. And then after it was over, I sort of caught on to what was happening And I walked back to the garage, and my dad was there, and I said, Did you say something to them? And then he just let the veneer of pretending like he wasn't involved completely fall away. And he just went something along the lines of like, Well, they were being little fucking assholes, so I told them they were being little assholes. I forget what he said, but I think he swore at a bunch of nine-year-old boys and told them that they should not exclude my daughter based on gender. But I don't think he said it very articulately. I think he said it in like an angry Irish dad rage um, and scared the living shit out of all of them. And immediately I was um, a part of the team. And I remember being so embarrassed and so mad at my dad when I heard that he had yelled at them and that's why they were playing with me. It just made me feel so pathetic. But you know what? I don't know a single one of those boys anymore. And I I love that my dad did that. Like 30-year-old me really loves him for that. Um, my dad is not really the most tender, vulnerable guy in the world. Um, but... I think when I was a little girl he really like he really made me feel like I could do anything or be anybody. And that's why it's such a shame that as I'm older we have such a strained and often painful relationship because I mean I'm just like tearing up right now. I love him so much. And moments where he had my back you know, that's really special to me. So I love that story. Uh, I should make a rule. I get to cry in the intro of this podcast once a year, and that's it. Uh, okay. anyways, guys, let's let's jump into it, All right? And by jump into it, I mean, let's uh, say the quote. Of the episode. Yes. Uh, the quote of this episode is by the amazing political comedian John Stewart of Daily Show fame. We all love him. We miss him. Uh, I wish he was on TV more. Um, his quote is, fatherhood is great because you can ruin someone from scratch. That's great. That's really great. I think uh, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're a parent, you're going to fuck up your kid to some degree, that's for sure. Uh, it's unavoidable, even for someone as great as Jon Stewart. Okay, guys, let's jump in. Let's meet our three guests who share their unique dad experiences. Enjoy! <laughs> sitting with musician comedian and self-described renaissance man
1: <laughs> human
0: please please introduce yourself you are
1: I'm Nick DiGaetano. uh very happy to be here super excited
0: <laughs> <laughs> you explained what a renaissance man was to me it was great thank it's, you so uh, someone much. with
1: a lot of skills you know like uh, and you do have
0: a lot of skills I've right. seen you do so many different things on stage that's you're right. very talented thank
1: thing. you Lindsay so are you
0: <laughs> that's all I wanted to hear uh okay so Nick uh, you're here on our dad themed episode. Yes. And you have a, a, a lovely, lovely uh, dad relationship, father son relationship, and you're going to tell us a story from it.
1: Yes. My dad, uh, Graziano Di Gaetano, is a strange man. I come from a family of, like, uh, I would say idiots. Oh, uh, a okay. A lot of us. I mean, in a most positive sense. You know, I went to clown school, so <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm continuing the. the family tradition basically and my dad would never admit that he's an idiot but he has a lot of these tendencies you know i remember being in a band in high school and practicing in the basement and him coming down and interrupting the rehearsal to be like guys it's sounding great and we're a punk rock band right it's like sounding great guys but you know what i always thought i made a band sound good a saxophone (laughs) okay cool yeah my dad is the type of dude who like you know likes to has mischief all the time and likes to do laughs like (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm sorry.
0: Please do that again for us. What laugh is that?
1: Like like Ernie from uh, Sesame Street. Like,
0: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. He always likes to go on trips with his friends, talks about how they have lots of laughs, you know? <laughs> the type of human being who like reads store signs out loud, even though no one asked him to.
0: <laughs> is he like, is he like really macho? I, he,
1: I think he thinks of himself as macho in some ways. He's an Italian immigrant. So there's some okay. of that cultural machismo there. But uh, it's been tempered by, you know, 50-plus years in Canada, so...
0: Sure, okay. You
1: know, he's a fun dude. So, he's also... A, he was a school teacher his whole life, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he, at his school with his buddy Jim, used to do this thing called the Ravioli Brothers. So, they're two Italian teachers, and they would do, like, a take on the Blues Brothers. This is how I know he's an idiot. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go ahead. They would
1: do a take on the Blues Brothers and, like, do the Christmas concert every year at their high school, right? You know, and they would make stupid videos and whatever. So uh, some of my first memories of, like, wanting to be on stage and, like, perform with comedy and music together were watching my dad and his dumb friends rehearse in the basement.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Okay so uh this is there's a point to this part because leading to the story so i was in a lot I of i just
0: can't get over ravioli brothers. The
1: ravioli brother you should see their video for hot stuff where they're just like walking around the high school you know and all the kids are singing hot stuff baby this evening and they're dressed up in like 70s clothes and they all have like hot sauce bottles like Tabasco sauce. Oh
0: my God.
1: I know the, the concept is really stupid but it really works. <laughs>
2: oh, okay. <laughs>
1: it's one of the best things they've ever done. You know, uh, fantastic. So, uh, so in high school I was in a lot of bands. You know, I did a lot of performance and a lot of, I was in school musicals. I was always playing the battle of the bands. I was, you know, always doing plays and stuff. Uh, and one summer, the summer of grade 10, we got asked to do uh, a concert, an end of the year concert at another school. this is a big deal Oh wow right so my band and i put all of our gear that we could fit onto a handheld wagon and walked from the practice space which is my friend ian's house to the high school which is about half an hour away so we walked with all like a drum kit and amplifiers and you know guitars and stuff we walked we were so excited it was like it's gonna be like a take on woodstock you know all these different types of bands so, you know, we got there and there was like a professional band playing first, like a real band of like college kids who were playing, you know, and they're doing their set and it's great, you know, and it's, they're just like having a good time, playing their music, rocking out, you know, uh, singing their song, or sing singing along. It was great. And then we're up next, you know, and I was in a... Kind of a punk rock comedy band called Snuffleupagus and the All Wookie Band. Oh my God. Uh, I
0: feel like you are your father's son. I know, with I know. The names. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I believe you. All right.
1: So we got up on stage, you know, we start playing and uh, we play our first song and we launch into our hit called Conformity High School.
0: Oh my God.
1: Right? And we're playing. In earnest? Oh, of course.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Conformity. <laughs> It's
1: good. We're playing Conformity High School. All the kids love it. It's like rap rock, you know? No! Yes, it's awesome. We're thrashing out, you know? And I start going off in the middle of the song, like, improvising, just being like, oh, F this school. Don't do what they tell you. F the teachers, you know what I mean? Just, like, having a good time, thinking it's a, it's a sanctioned event. The band before us had swearing in some of their songs. Yeah. I'm just, like, playing my music, you know? Having a good time. And then in the middle of the song, all the power... Goes dead, and we're just like, and you just hear the drums like, bang, 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 boom, boom, bang, bang. We're like, what the heck is going on? And then the vice principal steps out, and she's like, "No swearing in the music." And I was like, "What?" The band before us was dead. And she's like, "You guys, you're not welcome here. Get off stage right now." And. All the kids are stunned. My friends from that high school who brought us to that show were like stunned that this could happen. They're so embarrassed, like for us, for themselves, you know, like how could this uh, dumb vice principal be stopping us in the middle of our hit song? Doesn't she know that Conformity High School is our hit song? Hit song. And I just kind of in that moment, like saw red. Like as a, oh yeah, you know, like as a teenage boy with uh, hormones coursing through my body,
0: humiliation's a big thing,
1: absolutely. And I just remember, like, kind of like seeing red in that moment, and like just launched into her. And whenever oh. I was saying like generally about not listening to teachers or you know f them or whatever i like just started directing at her no microphones like you're a fascist f you you can't censor us what the hell is going on this is unfair and she's just like yelling back at me like get off stage you're not allowed to be and i was like we're finishing our set screw you And all the kids start yelling you know and then finally it's like okay fine fine you know, school, both middle fingers. Oh, yeah, we're getting out of here. You can't control us. We pack <laughs> up all of our stuff, seething, and we like walk away from the school, you know, with all of our gear. We didn't have a car <laughs> <In> a <wagon. laughs> Okay, okay, so, and we're defeated, and everyone's just like, you know, And then the band kind of turns on me and they're like, you shouldn't have done that, man. Like, we, And then we all kind of like turn on them again. It's like, no, they shouldn't have censored us. What's going on? This is free speech. It's not even school. School's over. Blah blah. And then I realize at this moment, my dad is a high school teacher. Wow. Yeah. And I, and it's the last day of school. And I was like, and now I have to go home and they're going to ask about how my show went. So in that moment, like a genius, I invited all my friends over for dinner.
0: Cause that cushions the blow. Yes. Wait, wait. Why would you have had to tell him? Why couldn't you have lied?
1: You think that my dad, the high school teacher in the same board of the school that we were teaching, we were playing at, wasn't going to hear about it?
0: Was he? Gonna, I don't know. Oh, he
1: hear? yeah. They talk. Let me tell you. They talk.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. So you have to go home and it's smart, bring friends, cushion the blow. He's not gonna yell at you with
1: that. And them, my folks man. were always really good about like, they always like had our friends over, you know, they were always like allowing us to be in the house. My friend Eli lived at our house for like a year and a half after his mom moved out of the uh, area where our high school was. And so he could finish high school. He lived at our house, you know? Whoa. Okay. Yeah, like our friends were always over and my parents were really good about that. And always, always fed us, always had us over for dinner. Uh, so we sit down at, you know, dinner. It's the last day of school. My dad is, like, he's happy too because it's his last day of school, right? Super good. And I'm like, oh, my friends are going to come over for, for dinner. Sure, yeah, I'll make a, you know, we're going to have, like, bean salad and some pasta. It's going to be great. You know, some chicken wings. So we come over. We're all eating. Oh, no, we didn't have chicken wings. We were vegetarian at that point.
0: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad you clarified.
1: Uh- uh, so we're eating. We're eating dinner. And, you know, grass is like, how'd the show go? And we're all kind of like, we all look at each other like all my friends. I was like, "Well, you know, it's kind of this and kind of that." Oh no, Nick! Oh, come on, no! Yeah, and then and then he and then he yelled at the vice principal. He swore at the vice principal. <laughs> Guys, what are you doing? Like my friend starts selling me out in front of my parents. <laughs> and Grass has this moment like you can see like rage just behind his eyes, and then he's in like, "Yeah, absolutely." I mean, I. I, I understand where he's coming from. As sure. an older man, I understand that's so It's like, what did you do? And then of course he's like, oh, but all your friends are here. All right. Well then he like, <laughs> you know, it all softens. We finish dinner. We have a conversation about it. And then he's like, I think your friends need to go home now. I was like, Yep, okay, bye. See you guys. See oh, you later. God. And he laid into me. Just like, what are you doing? You're going to embarrass. How could you do this? Why are you so stupid? What the hell? This music is making you crazy. You know, like he's Italian. He's, he's doing backflips, you know, <laughs> running up the walls, you know, on the floor spinning. You know, there's smoke. There's fire. You know, we're yelling at each other. I leave the house, you know, and then that's it. It's the end of the school year. So... We don't really hear about this for the rest of the summer. And my dad kind of just, like, he has to go back to school, and I'm, you know, he comes back two days later. He's like, Well, I got a call from the vice principal from this school, huh? That really cheesed at you. Really? In September? That's he right. You got a phone call. No, no, Why? this is still in the summer. No, like, in the summer you got a because teachers have to call. work after the school is done, right? I
0: guess they I don't
1: have. Know. To, well, they have
0: to. So. Oh, right. <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> they have to be in there doing the school, you know, m- making the grades or whatever. I, yeah. I don't know exams, all this kind of garbage. Putting
0: in, you know, shining apples and putting stuff on the board.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Alphabet. Got Alphabet. It. Uh, maths. Those things. Got it. New gym shoes. Um, they repaint the gym every year. I'm oh, sure yeah, that's what they yeah, do, of right? Course. Of course. So he gets a call from her and she's like, How could I know this is your son, whatever? I mean, I wasn't partial to the conversation, but all I know is he came home that night and was just like, Oh, you are in so much trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then he kind of let it go, you know, for the rest of the summer and that was it. And I sort of lived with this, like, you know, sword of Damocles over my head for the summer. And I went back to school and I kind of thought that everything had blown over. But. On the first day of school, the, the principal of my school called me into the office, okay? And was just like, well, we all heard about what happened last year, you know, at the band concert on the last day of school. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, you know, this is a really big deal, Nick. You're going to have to apologize to this vice principal. You have to make a public apology, okay? Uh, because otherwise, look, I know you like to perform. I know you like an audience. I know you like to be on stage. And you know what? Most of the time, you're really good at it. But this is unacceptable. And if something isn't done about this, we may never be allowed to let you on stage again. Oh. This is a real serious this threat.
0: Is so serious. Yeah.
1: This is a real serious threat. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll apologize to her. Like, whatever. Sure. I'll apologize to this lady or about this thing that I did. Uh, Although I don't really... I don't regret doing it. Sure. And I'll say apology. Like, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings or whatever. So it all happens. And she's like, I'm still not convinced. And the principal at my school is still not convinced. But then the next day, they call me and they're like, okay, we're going to let you perform. Thank you for apologizing. Whatever.
0: <laughs> whatever.
1: And so I dodge a bullet, right? I dodge a bullet. I get to be in the musical that year. I get to, like, play Battle of the Bands. It's awesome. It's awesome and uh he never said anything about it ever again like we never talked about that the principal my dad your dad so my dad and i never talked about it again mhm but i know in my heart that he went to bat for me really i know that he talked them down and like was like you because have to let him because you do could
0: this. tell they weren't happy with the apology
1: they weren't happy they were like they didn't trust me they didn't want it to to let me continue to do what I was doing but I believe that my dad you know recognized that I love to do this and this was an important part of my identity and without saying anything and understanding that he himself has done some really idiotic shit in front of people (laughs) yeah he went to bat for me, and
0: uh, and you have no way of proving I have this. No you way of proving. You never brought this.
1: it up. I'll never bring it up. Why not? Why don't that's you bring just it up? Not, that's just not how our family rolls. That's <laughs> fine. I'm happy to just let bygones be bygones. But I know that that vice principal was furious at me, and I know that my principal didn't believe my apology. Yeah. And I know that my dad knew them both personally. Like he'd wow. worked at the high school before the where my principal was from, he'd worked with the vice principal before, and I know that he talked to them and was like, I'll keep him on a short leash, but you got to let him do this. It's not fair to him.
0: Wow. So is part of the reason you wouldn't bring it up to even just ask or, or any of that, is it because you know the machismo, the older dad thing, he, it'd be embarrassing or do you think it
1: I mean I, I think he'd deny it maybe he'd be or he'd be like I don't even remember that. I don't To call him out that. as a
0: softy would exactly. be Exactly. He
1: would be I don't know if he'd be like I love into that. that. I, I
0: actually that. that's I love that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. You must have really love your dad.
1: I uh, do sometimes.
0: <gasps> <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so long as we Fair don't enough. have to talk politics, I love my dad. Oh,
0: yes, I understand. I get you now. Right. Yes. Um well, I think that's really sweet. Thank you for telling me that story. Um, you have some exciting news that is... This wasn't even... I didn't even know about this, so it just fits into the theme, coincidentally. What's your exciting news?
1: Well, you know, I run a uh, stand-up comedy show that at the coffee the, shop.
0: That in wasn't the exciting news.
1: No, it is. It's, it's exciting. We have a show on November 14th. You know, we run it every month at Lourdes Coffee at 1867 Davenport Road. It's called Dad Bod Comedy. Oh. And... Uh, of course, it's not going to be official because in like two weeks' time, I'm going to be an official dad. Pod.
0: <laughs> You're having a baby.
1: <laughs> My wife is having a baby. That's yes,
0: right. Yes, and you will be there for it.
1: And I will be there for it. So oh. I'm going to be a dad uh, very soon. So, it's
0: so it's... exciting. And you have a show. I can't believe you did such a seamless plug there. I didn't even know you had a show. Called I just thought dad of it in a moment. Bod comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, are you nervous?
1: I am terrified yeah yeah. Uh, this is an expensive city and uh, you <laughs> okay. know
0: all those people watching drinking coffee
1: exactly just
0: kidding being a professional Having artist a is baby. oh good. wow so you're gonna have a baby you don't know what it is or don't you do not know what
1: it is no we got some like names on both sides of the spectrum picked out
0: oh my goodness okay you know th-
1: there's so few real surprises in life so you know, yeah well. right have the best surprise
0: I'm gonna throw a quick question at you before we go um If you could take one one thing your dad does as like his style of parenting and bring it to your child when you rear them, what would it be?
1: My dad and I used to fight a lot when I was younger. We're both, like our birthdays are the day apart. So we're really similar personality wise. We're really similar. We're both very stubborn. Uh, but somewhere along the line in parenting me, I think around the time that I was like 12, my dad just sort of went hands off and was just like, do what you want. And that's what I would take from him. Cause I really think that that freedom actually allowed me to be who I am and allowed me to make my own choices. And instead of like him trying to make me be who he thought I should be or what a kid should be or whatever, yeah. you know, they were just sort of like, you're free range now. We've all, we, I mean, we were always free range and you know, we were allowed to like roam in the woods yeah. and all this sort of stuff, but really just sort of like you're off the leash. All you, all you have to do is get a job when you're 16. That's okay. our rules. And, uh, I think it's the the best thing they did for me.
0: Amazing. Thank yeah. you for being on the show. Anything else you'd like to plug?
1: Yeah, I'm Toronto I Love You with the Bad Dog Theater Company starting uh, December 11th at the Bad Dog Theater. It's one of their flagship shows. It's, it's like, a
0: huge show, very popular. It's
1: huge. I play improvised music. Uh, you know, I make up an improvised song with every, sh- with every show. I score the show. There's amazing performers in it. Rob Baker's in it. Nigel Downer's going to be in it.
0: It's, yes, uh, it's an improv show. It's amazing. And tickets are already on sale and it will sell out.
1: It will sell out. It runs the 11th until the 21st of December. Come check it out. Yeah.
0: Okay, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Bye. I'm sitting here with Meredith Cheesebro. Hey, Meredith. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Um, you are an actor, um, a sketch comedian, a writer. Yeah. You do all
2: sorts of things. Yeah, lots of things. Yeah. And
0: you've let me come into your house at your dining room table, and you're going to tell me uh, a story about your unique dad experience. Yeah. That's or, what we can call it. Or
2: lack thereof, I guess, in I some guess. ways.
0: I have never met anyone with your unique circumstances around a father.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think it's a pretty common. Like, not pretty common, but somewhat common. But a lot of people don't know uh, that their donor conceived, which I am. So, so your dad, your biologic father mm -hmm. was a sperm donor. Yeah. He was an anonymous sperm donor. Um, and the year was 1983. So quite a while ago. So in the, in the beginning of sperm donor before, like before sperm banks, before frozen sperm, before like catalogs, so wait, it was, before
0: you could even like be like, this guy works for NASA, and yeah. He's before a, that, oh wow. So, so I was absolute anonymous.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the doctor would know, and the nurse would know. What well, what
0: would be the most you know about the guy? How did they give you very
2: very little? So basically, it was run through the University of Saskatchewan because uh, my mom was in Saskatoon, and. Um, They, The doctor, she had to go through psychological screening to make sure that she was like a fit parent. Okay. And then um, the doctor chose the donor. And they would normally choose if there was going to be a father in the picture that would raise the child, a social dad we call them. Um, Then they would try to match the donor to be closest to ethnicity and looks of the dad that was going to raise the baby. But since my mom was a single parent by choice, they just chose another british person basically which my mom is like they just tried to match her pretty much wow <clears throat> yeah okay. so and at the time it was live donation as well which means that he would have gone in um to the hospital on the same days that she would have what? okay no wait what what so <laughs> what it's mean? like before frozen sperm so it would be like we need you to come in on this so day. it's fresh
0: juice is yeah. what you're saying
2: like he would be in one room giving a sample.
0: Oh my. And she god. would be in
2: another room waiting for the sample.
0: Oh my god. Sorry. Yeah. I know this is a distraction, but that's that's crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. That's, that's like a weird form of sex almost, except sex with two people in different rooms.
2: I mean, it's not that much different than like frozen. It's just We had closer. more time to process this. Yes, yeah, that's right. It's just way closer of proximity. It's just weird to think about them like crossing paths. Oh my or, god. Or like You know, sometimes they and I don't know if this happened at the University of Saskatchewan, but in some clinics they would split the sample if there was enough. Oh! They would do two in some, like two people would get inseminated. So it's crazy to think that, like, in another room, another woman could have been like about to get pregnant with a sibling of mine.
0: Oh my God, that is a mind fuck. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a lot to process. Um, okay, so
2: yeah, how? So what happened next? Um, so I've known my whole life, but I'm really in the minority in terms of being donor conceived. Most people, parents, like at the time, they were told to just never tell the kids. They were told really? that it would like create like a rift that they wouldn't be able to bond properly with their father, like with the father was that was gonna raise them. Um, and so they were told to just like bury it or keep it a secret. Frequently, couples were told to have sex before and after the procedure, just in case the, like, husband's sperm could work this one time. So that he could feel like it yeah. might be his? Yeah, so they could just be like, well, I that think it's That seems like an
0: ego thing.
2: Yeah. Well, have you ever met men? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it really gave them the option to be like, you know what, this baby looks like me. It must be mine. That kind of thing. Like, it hasn't wow. worked for years, but now, now's the time it's going to work. Um... But yeah, so I've always known. My mom, of course, was very open. And also there was never a social father in the picture. Mm. So she had to tell me where I was from, basically. So I was always really curious about it. But at the time, it seemed like there was going to be like no hope of ever finding out. Because this was way before home DNA tests. So I thought that like if I ever met somebody else that was like donor conceived as well in the same time period that we were going to have to pay like three hundred dollars each to like go to a like private clinic to get our dna match to see if we were a match and i was like i guess i better sit start like saving up for all these dna tests i'm gonna like have you to
0: mean do. if you met someone else you think might be related to yeah you? like oh. if
2: i like there was message boards there started to be message boards at the beginning of at the, at the beginning of the internet so i would make like a a post that said, like, I was conceived at the University of Saskatchewan in 1983. We were told that my donor was, uh, you know, white male, you know, possibly a vet student or a med student, that type of thing. Okay, so did you not grow up with a father figure of any kind? No. No. So my Is mom, that something you really, like, wish you had or something? No. My mom's, like, the best person of all time, and she's, like, she got to be 36 and was just like, oh... You know, especially in the 80s. It's not like people are having kids in their 40s, which she later did. But, like, she was like, I either try to find somebody or I settle for somebody who's not good enough in order to have a kid. And she's like, I think I'd rather just do this on my own. Wow. And she's just really cool. She's worked in the women's community her whole life. She's been, like, like her whole life basically has been trying to help women find jobs or get them out of poverty or like working at aid Saskatoon or working like with new moms and babies. Like, so she's just been like the most caring, like she sounds like a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, we had, I had a great family and I just had such a nice life that I've always just been so grateful yeah. that I exist Huh. Which is not always the case in the donor conceived community. And I think there is like a really, a really real amount of anger, especially with people who anger were at the donor or they at the system, the like system. just like, like mostly it's people for whom it was kept a secret who found out. When their parents got divorced or it slipped out one night when they were drinking with their mom or oh my like God or their social father dies or both parents die. And then all of a sudden it's revealed like I'm part of an international group on Facebook of people from all over the world that are donor conceived. And there's people finding out in their 60s uh. that like never knew, you know, so like
0: so you're happy and you new.
2: I'm happy, I'm really happy that I knew. I would, I would, this is my little plug on behalf of donor conceived people. If you're thinking about using a donor, make it a known donor. It's like the secrecy and the lies are the things that tear families apart. And we know that about secrets and lies in general. And right. this isn't any different. Okay, so at what age
0: did uh, your detective work of finding who your biological father uh, really get going.
2: Okay, so in my early 20s, after the internet was sort of got established, and there got to be more and more like groups, like or message boards and websites and stuff like that, then we formed a Facebook group of people that were just from Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. And then DNA testing at home happened. So then everybody in the group got tested on family tree DNA, which was one of the first ones that came along. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any success, but there was a couple of sibling matcha- matches within our group. Oh, oh okay, yeah. So, yeah, so, um, and one of the first was my younger brother, who's uh, six or seven years younger. Um, younger brother biologically? Like my mom's son, but a different donor. Oh, your mom did it again. Yeah, so my mom did it again. Oh, wow. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Um, So my younger social brother and um, half-brother was able to find a sister who, like, you know, he would have had no idea existed except for we were all a part of this group and we all did DNA testing. Um, So that was really lovely and they are so much alike. They get along so well. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Because he's not that much like my family. I'm a lot like my family. He's, like, a little bit... He's just, like, a different kind of guy. And him and his sister are just, like similar yeah so similar look the same talk the same like it's great
0: how old were you when 23 and me
2: happened for you so then after family tree dna it was like a few years until ancestry and 23 got really big like they've only gotten really big in like i would say the past three years four years um and so as they got bigger it became clear to us like in the group that we needed to start doing all the testing to be able to like wide in our searches and especially because I'd had like no not even a hint of luck so I got tested on first ancestry and I didn't have any close matches still um and it was disappointing and then about a year and a half ago <clears throat> I got tested on 23andMe mm-hmm. and immediately had a half sister match pop up so she had been tested before and had been there for, I think she said like a year or something uh, before I got tested. Um, so that was like my first like real like, wow, like, um, and she turned out to be donor conceived as well. And she's, um, a bit of a secretive person, so I won't say anything re- right. like revealing about her, but except for that she's lovely. We're very different. We don't look anything alike, but she's very lovely. Um... Anything closer to the dad stuff? So then f- that was the time where I really like finding patterns and things and, you know, like seeing what I can find out about anything. And I'm really into the internet, so I'm like really good at like sleuthing. Used to be really big into like, you know, stalking men on the internet before stalking I, men before on I the- settled down. But like I got really good at like finding out stuff about people. Oh my God. And I work in social media, so... I really know how to find out, like how to, like, you were good at it before it was socially acceptable to stalk guys on the internet. But I like was, I was like live journal diary land. Like I was like, Oh boy, back in the day, like really deep into the internet. I was a blogger for a while. So that was my background, (laughs) my background. Um, so, and so with the three sites that I was tested on, there became like a few surnames that started popping up. And so there was one that stood out to me um, because it was one that I knew a girl in high school. Then she had that last name. And I feel like I'm going to change it just because to protect uh, people's. Sure. Oh you don't even have to say it. Yeah, I feel like it's like easier to follow if I do. Okay. So um. let's just say it's Hall. Okay. Hall. Okay. So this surname Hall just kept coming up and it would be like a second cousin with the last name Hall, a third cousin with the last name Hall. And people can put like what other last names. So even if their last name is something different, they can put family surnames. Mm-hmm. So I did a search for Hall and it was just like a bunch, mm-hmm. but it was a much less common last name than Hall. So, um, but so there's one girl that I knew in high school that had that last name. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to her and we weren't even Facebook friends or anything, but I tracked her down and I was just like, this is so weird. But are there a lot of this surname in Saskatoon, especially, or is it a bit rare? Mm -hmm. And she wrote back immediately, and it turns out that she works um, for the police in some degree of forensic-y stuff. I don't know. I'm a bad cousin um, because I don't remember. But she's really good at sleuthing and really interested in finding everything out as well. Yeah. And so she was like uh, it's, there's a lot of us with this last name, but we're all connected. Like it was like four brothers that came over and just spread out across Canada basically. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, do you think you can help me? And she was like, I'll ask my dad. And I was like, well, the clues that I have are he would have to have lived in Saskatoon, been present in Saskatoon in 1983. Mm -hmm. He quite possibly went to the U of S and even more possibly was a med student or a vet student. So he would quite likely be a doctor or a vet now. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, there doesn't, like in my family, I don't think there's any vets or doctors. So I don't know, but I'll ask my dad. And then like the next day she messaged me and she was like, I think I should, should maybe have called you, but I'm just going to tell you like my dad's cousin was at the U of S veterinary school in 1983. And it like has to be him. Right. So, like, right away we were like, oh, yeah. How could it not be him? Yeah. Like, what would the chances be? And so she also luckily had a really in-depth family tree. And so we were able to, like, look through my DNA matches and plot them in the family tree. Mm -hmm. So I would be able to see, like, this match. Oh, I see they're there in the family tree. They are indeed. Like, this does make You could do all the
0: due diligence.
2: And then I could see, I could hone in. To see that it, in fact, had to be him or one of his first cousins. And there was none in that line that lived in Saskatoon at the time. Except for this cousin's dad, who was like, I didn't do
0: it. take us to the part where you're connected with him.
2: So, from there, I knew his name. um, And I knew his profession. And I knew that he was a horse veterinarian. For horses? Yeah, in Virginia. Whoa. So hadn't lived in Canada for so long. So I had had this, like, you know, romantic dreams of being, like, like when I was in commercials a lot, that I would be like, well, wow, my father probably has seen these, and maybe he thought I was funny or cool. You yeah, because like, you've
0: done commercials on TV, and you're yeah, secretly like, fantasizing, he sees them.
2: Yeah, like, you know, I thought he must have, because I thought that he would live in Canada, but he didn't. So, of course. Oh. Not that he w- would have even noticed Necessarily, if he did live in Canada, right?
0: So, out of curiosity, um, and this is just going to interject, why did you want to? Why do you want to connect with him?
2: Just curiosity, just like I mean, it's weird to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, "Oh, half of this comes from elsewhere," and like, I do look like my mom. I do look like my mom's family, but then I am like, "Well, in what ways do I look like somebody else?" A complete stranger, like...
0: And why would someone be a sperm donor? Just money? Would he have just gotten paid to do it?
2: I don't know. Like, they would have gotten paid. Um, I think, like with vet students especially, this is bad, kind of, but they would be doing artificial insemination on animals. I was thinking that. I was making that thought. So they would be familiar with the process. It wouldn't be that weird for them. And, like, the doctors would just be like, these people really want to have families, and it's a really easy thing, and it's like, takes a few minutes out of your life, and then you never have to think of it again, basically. Wow. And so, and the nurse told my mom, and I didn't verify this with, my donor father, but she said that he didn't take any money. That he was just like, you know, I just want to help people. But I don't oh. know if that's true. But there were people. There were men that did that, and there were more men that did it for okay. my divorce. so
0: you find out that it's basically. So him. I
2: find out who it is, and the only way that because my my now we figured out that we're cousins. My second cousin who's helped me track him down, you know, isn't in contact with him. Um, so the only way that I have to contact him is Facebook, which we all know, like everything goes into other messages. It's really hard to message somebody you're not friends with. Yeah. So I tried that. He never saw it, never looked at it, never heard back, of course. And then I knew where he worked. Oh boy. So, um, I emailed the vet clinic and I was like, um, you know, I'm really trying to get in contact with this person. Can you please have, uh, him email me? And then they were like, email back like basically right away about being like anything, any message that you have for him, you can send through this. Oh boy! Email, and so I had to like really think like, do I send it as an attachment, which old people are scared of, and rightfully so because they could be a virus or an something. An attachment
0: of what your like birth a PDF,
2: like a PDF to not put the not put all the information in the email. Oh, I see. To be, like, only open by this one person. Right. But instead, I just did, like, a little precursor, and then I did, like, a bunch of line breaks and, like, and periods to really... Be like, please don't... Yeah, like, don't... Look
0: at this if you're not him.
2: Yeah. And then I basically laid it out, and I was like, this is the situation, and I believe that it has to be you. Um... And can you confirm? And if you can confirm, can you please um, tell me any medical info and any other info you might be willing to share? Because that was a big, big, big one for the anonymous donor crowd where we're just like, I mean, even if he's in good health in 1983, you know, we're 35 years later. A lot of things could have happened. And there's a lot of things where, like, you know, you go to the doctor and they say, what's your family history? Well, do you have a family history of that? Like. They screen you better for different things. They're more aware of things. So, yeah. Um, Be really, nice to know what's going to kill you. Yeah. I would love to know. <laughs> I would I don't know if I would. Um, and he wrote back, like, basically, like, right away, like, from another email address, from his personal email address, and was just, like, like, not cold, but not, like, super warm, but, like, just a little bit, like, really taken aback. Like, I never expected that he really would have just forgotten about it but he really just did it and then never really thought about it again
0: I don't want to say something that's gonna sound curt or weird do you think it was just a wank to him yeah I don't know how awful that sounds he
2: said he thought about it as like donating blood or bone marrow or something like that where it's just like you're helping somebody else out and then you have no Commitment to them ever again.
0: I mean, yeah, he. I guess he never, you know, looks back on old jerk-off experiences in bed.
2: No, he probably wasn't like, "Oh, that was great," unless that was his fetish. In which case, I mean, good for him. Good for him. (laughs) God, you're so open-minded. Well, there's way worse fetishes to have, I think. Um, but yeah, he was just basically like, you know, we were told we were going to be anonymous, and it's like, yeah, buddy, times have changed.
0: And also, yeah, the the system is yes. anonymous, but the person who comes out of that system, and you, think, like, is going to be curious and going to go past the rules of that totally. system. Totally. And
2: they had parents, like, signing contracts saying that they wouldn't research, they wouldn't contact, they wouldn't look for the donors. But I didn't sign anything because I was not born. And you know what's interesting about that, that you say that,
0: is like... Yeah, it, it's a t- from a time when really agency for kids wasn't really as much of a thing as it is now. So, totally. yeah, parents are signing it, but you're not understanding who you at 35. Totally. Is but be. I think it's
2: still the case now. I think people are still like, you know, my priority is me and having a baby, and I'll do whatever it takes to get that baby. Right? Like, that's why adoption is kind of a big business. And, um, and donation is a huge business. Surrogacy is a huge business. But they're not really taking into account how the kid is really going to feel. And there's like a deep well of anger in the donor-conceived uh, world. And I don't feel that. Um, my siblings that I've found don't seem to feel that. My brother doesn't feel that. But people that have been lied to or had things kept or have felt like really out of place in their families like there's people that have just been like completely the odd one out like that don't seem anything like that who they grew up with and they feel almost like they've been gaslit the entire time by being like well you should fit in because these people made you so why don't you fit in there must be something wrong with you and then they find their siblings or their donors or or just simply the knowledge that they aren't a part of like they aren't biologically a part of the family and it's freeing, but also has, you know, it, it can bring up a lot of, like, horrible feelings of just being lied to. How many half-siblings do you think you have out in the world?
0: Did I don't you just know. do it the one
2: time? No. There's now, um, I've met two, and then I know of, uh, one more, and then I know that he has three kids of his own. Oh, wait.
0: What? You, the kids. donor? Yeah. So, so, wait,
2: the guy that's your biological
0: father he, chose to have
2: kids yeah, in his own life. Have, he went on to have kids. And now he's estranged from those kids. So, he doesn't, like, he's split from their mom. And so, it's interesting because it's like, I have interest in knowing them, but they for sure have no idea.
0: Oh, boy. So, I
2: think, like, honestly, if everybody out there would just sit down with their parents and be like, A, Am I a donor kid? And B, did you ever donate? It can really like, I mean, I think all of us donor kids are a little bit scared of dating a half sibling, getting married to a half sibling? Or even a first cousin or a second cousin. Like yeah, my, I guess
0: so. Yeah. That's... like my
2: cousin that I went to school with, like, we didn't know that we were related.
0: Like, okay, I could see why you'd have that fear then
2: if... if yeah, like, we'd have no idea. Now, I just reach out to her randomly because she has a surname that pops up in my family trees and it turns out we're second cousins. Our dads are first cousins. In a different situation, we could have grown up together. We could have gone to family Christmases together. Like
0: That's really interesting. So, so. Y- You had this exchange with him, and just to kind
2: of like... Oh, yeah. Just to wrap it up. um, Yeah. So we emailed a few times, and he gave me his medical history, which luckily wasn't, like, insanely bad or anything. Luckily. Um, And then he sent me a couple of photos of him when he was younger. We went to the same high school, which is weird. So I keep meaning to go back and, like, look at his picture on the wall. Oh, my God. His grad photo would be Yeah, because I would have, like, walked by it. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. And so we don't really look, like, a lot alike, but it's, like, more the shape of the face. And then he has, like, a weird kind of, like, angular nose, and it's, like, we all have variations on it. Yeah. Like, we don't all have the same nose, but our noses are all, like, a little bit, like... Right. Like, mine is very weird, like, little and weird, like a little pterodactyl, but... I like it. Thank you. But there's, like, you know, yeah.
0: So... Did he ever say anything that verged on warmth or He or sent me, like, a lot closeness? of family
2: history stuff. And, uh, and we had a bit of a back and forth. And then the last I heard from him, I was going to England with my mom. And he said, oh, I'll look up to see if there's any um, a family tree stuff out there, like, of where your ancestors would have been from. And then he just never responded again. Like, I emailed back. And then he just stopped responding. So I wonder, like, if his wife is against it, which is, like, very, very common, is there's, like, extended family members who feel, like, a weird jealousy or, like, unease or, like, they feel like donor kids might be after money, which is, like, legally not possible and also, like, very, like, weird. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, whatever. Um. So I really wasn't even that upset because I was never, like... I never thought that it would really be possible to be, like, best friends with him. And also, I guess you don't really have abandonment trauma from him because he no. wasn't there in the
0: first place. Yeah.
2: So I just feel so grateful. I feel so... I used to be, like, really upset about not knowing who he was. Like, I used to be like, am I going to die never knowing, you know, like, the who this entire other side is? And now I'm at I Like, I've emailed with him. And I've seen pictures of him. I'm like, okay, I get who you are. And there's certain things that I totally think that I get from him. Like, I'm way more of a ham. I mean, my family's all really funny, but more in, like, a... Subdued l- way? And, like, literary yeah, okay. in a way. And, like, and polite. Not polite, but, like, I don't know how to describe it. But he thinks of being a vet as, like, mostly entertaining the humans so that he can, like, you know, do things... Excuse me, to their horses, like hurt them, you know, like fix them, right. but it's going to cause them pain and stuff like that. But he needs to be like distracting the people and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's just such a relief to me just I, to know.
0: I have one last question for you before mm-hmm. we finish up. Mm-hmm. No, obviously, no right answer. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Um, answer from your gut. When he passes away one day. Uh. Will you say that my dad died or my donor died?
2: I would probably say my donor father. Interesting. Or like my bio dad, I would say. Bio dad, that sounds
0: very sci-fi.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is
0: the word dad a weird name for him?
2: Yeah. I've just never really used the word dad and then now I'm a new mom And so my partner is a dad and he has two older kids. So he's dad. So I use it so often now. And my partner has a father who is a dad. And so it's just like all these dads are suddenly in my life. And now I know who my dad is. And I feel like I always had like just a detachment from it, Mm -hmm. from the word. And now I feel such a warmth because my partner is the most excellent dad. His father is such an excellent dad. And now I'm just like, oh, yeah, dads are great. And I'm so happy for my daughter that she gets such a wonderful dad and a wonderful full granddad. That's great.
0: Thank you so much for telling me that story. It was really good. No problem. I Thank you for asking so it. So many extra twists and turns. Yeah, sorry. I but... love no, I love that. Um, thanks so much for being on the show, Meredith.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm sitting with Jordan Armstrong. She's having a beer. We're sitting in the Second City um, like dressing room. Dressing room? It's after a fun show. She is a very talented musician. She is the music director of the Second City main stage in Toronto, which means she's in that little pit off to the side doing live music, live accompaniment for a whole big comedy show. It's a very exciting job. It's a fun gig. It's a very fun gig. Thank you for being on my show, Jordan. No problem. Now, we're going to talk about something maybe heavy, but you have such a lightness to you. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not too heavy for you at this moment. Um, your relationship with your father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: it wasn't really a relationship. No. He was uh, sort of bookended by the beginning and end, well, the beginning of my life and then the end of his life.
0: So, your dad, your dad walked out when you were young.
3: My parents got divorced in the summer, I think between senior kindergarten and grade one. I'm not bad with time, but I feel like going into grade one, he was gone. So they were divorced, separated and then divorced.
0: Did you have siblings?
3: Yeah, I have a younger brother okay. who I grew up with. I also have a half-brother who I met just a few
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, Recently. wow. Yeah. Um, so, you were five or six when your dad walked out.
3: Yeah, I mean I'm not really sure what happened between my parents. It was never something that we talked about. Uh, he just, my mom, sat my brother and I down and just said, your dad is not coming back. Uh, and that was sort of it. And we did the, like, every other weekend thing, sort of, but it was it was less every other weekend and more like once in a while, Uh, and then it trickled out, um, and by the time I was maybe like 12, I think was maybe the last time I ever saw him. Um, So, I I mean,
0: I'm not a child of divorce, but usually, you know, there's a situation where it kind of goes equally back and forth. Mm -hmm. How does someone that's such a prominent um, attachment figure fade out like that? How does that work?
3: He he worked night shifts, so he wasn't, I didn't see a lot of him, like, my memories of him are usually him coming home late at night, he'd have friends, it'd be late, he'd bring me down, and we would play, like, duets on the piano, he's a very musical guy, oh. uh, but it was, like, I don't have a lot of daytime memories of him, mm-hmm. like, as a kid, because he did have this, like, opposite schedule. So it wasn't. It didn't feel like a huge piece of my life was missing when he left. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, because you didn't see
0: him much already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, how do you think he felt about not being in your life?
3: He. We had an interesting conversation uh, when we reconnected years and years later. It's, so, I'm so wait. <laughs> jumping
0: so he ahead, was out of your life from age twelve to when?
3: Uh, March of this year.
0: How old are
3: you now? I'm 35. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. You, zero contact? None. Whatsoever?
3: No. Did you when I was, know where he was? I knew that he was in Timmins. I knew that he'd had, he'd remarried. Uh, at one point, his, his new wife, uh, well, my stepmother had called me. I want to say when I was like maybe 14 or 15 um, to say that he missed me, but she called me. Oh. So it was very strange. I think it was well-intentioned. She's a very kind and very wonderful woman. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we really didn't have any direct contact um, for probably 20 years. So
0: i got to add. I mean, I'm obviously going to project stuff onto you. Correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. You must feel abandonment.
3: I think so. I think it's there. It comes up when I don't really expect it. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, that's what that is. Oh, I just swore. I'm so sorry. <laughs> don't worry. At okay. Okay. <laughs> least of my problems. Um, yeah, it's there for sure. Um, but it's also I mean, I was so little when that happens. Uh, and I remember going to when I was in grade seven, I guess they'd pull me out of class with like two other kids who were like children of divorce. Like it was this hard thing for us to process I think a lot of adults forget how resilient kids are. And I really think that I actually was okay. Like it wasn't, I never felt like I was missing a piece of anything growing up. I really didn't. And then they pulled me into these therapy sessions and had me draw pictures or like talk about my emotions. And I go, okay, I feel like I can't give you what you think you need from me. Uh, I feel like a lot of this is is very, like, it's it's hidden, and it's deep, and it's going to come out later. Like, yeah, even in seventh grader, me, I was like, I, I think grader. I'm okay right now. Yeah,
0: think, like, call me when I'm dating men that are too old for me exact, in ten years.
3: Call yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me when I'm in a it.
0: bad relationship, and then we could talk about well, how this had a... Because you and it. I once had, a couple years ago, a real good heart-to-heart in the Second City Green Room about how we have similar similar abandonment issues mm-hmm. and that they follow us into romantic relationships and we had a lot in common. Yeah. And that's when you first told me that you had a dad that left when you were young. And yeah. you said that, if I remember correctly, you said that you felt like that was connected.
3: Yeah, I think that it can be. I think that it there's an inherent trust issue that arises from something like that, trying to understand how someone... You know, at that point I would have been roughly the same age as my dad when he left. So I go, so how, how could a person do that? And it's not until you're their age, I think, as an adult, where you're like, could I ever do that? I don't think that I could do that. How could he have possibly done that? Do
0: you remember him leaving?
3: No. No, I remember my mom telling us that he wasn't going to be coming back, that he wasn't going to be living with us anymore. But I don't remember him, like... Leaving, I don't remember fights. I don't remember arguments. Like... Huh. It was, it was a pretty low trauma event, honestly. Right. Yeah.
0: So... So he was out of your life. And then this new development he was back in your life how did he get back into your life
3: he friended me on facebook
0: oh my god it's, i feel <laughs> like facebook is the ultimate way for dads that have left yeah to... he sent me uh,
3: he friended me and then i left it for like i want to say a year a year and a half maybe more and then one night i was drunk and i was like what if i just accept and i clicked it and i was like oh my god and then he almost immediately sent me a video of a man making a saxophone out of a carrot. Which if you scrolled like I am a saxophone player, so you must have been following
0: Aww. Yeah. <laughs> you must know funny about that. It's like almost like a dad joke, but it's like yeah, even though I he's like, not in your life, yeah. that's uh
3: Yeah. It was a classic dad move for sure.
0: Okay. So did you want to meet him after he sent you the saxophone carrot video?
3: No. I didn't. It's like a can of worms, I think, at that point, where you're like, well, what will have to happen? I mean, I think I had a pretty good idea, and when I did finally meet him, I had a pretty accurate idea of who he was. Uh, And I think I kind of wanted to live in the world of, like, the funny memories of me being a kid. He would make me laugh until I peed. Like, he was so funny.
0: I would be worried, if it was me, I could be wrong, but I would be worried that... If I, started, if I did go meet him after all that time, after he messaged me the, the carrot yeah. saxophone, that I would like him, and then after I like that person and feel attachment, I would be hit with the sinking feeling, but you left me. Yeah. Like, I'd be afraid to like them.
3: I was scared of that anger, for sure, of it surfacing. And I think maybe without me realizing that's what sort of kept me from reaching out, was because I was angry at him, and I was disappointed, and like I didn't want to Like, you can never get be,
0: past that. Like, if you, there's no way to start an adult friendship where you can truly get past the idea of, but you were supposed to be there.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that... I think that you can forgive someone, uh, but there wasn't... Ultimately, there weren't really any answers there. There wasn't really... It was... I, everything that I, I encountered... Uh, well, as, I, as I met him for the first time, was sort of like, yeah, this is sort of what I was expecting. Um, I felt like I was definitely running a track of like, you yeah, know, this is what's going to happen. Like, it felt like I was like reading a
0: script. So he sent you that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then how did he officially come into your life face to face?
3: I reached out to him. Uh, so a few more years went by and every now and then he'd send me a video uh, of a vegetable, like, being, of a vegetable uh, being being some wind musically uh <laughs> <laughs> carved into <an laughs> instrument uh or like a like a cute he, he would it would try and connect with me like oh it looks like f- by your facebook page that like you have a cat so here's a cute cat video of a cat being oh cute and he'd send it and I sort of go okay well i'm not ready yet uh and then i want to say it was about a year ago now um he posted uh, so we were friends on Facebook at this point and he po- he made a post uh, about like how he was sick and uh, was, was, was thinking of going for chemo but didn't really want to and I saw it and thought oh maybe this is serious maybe this is like it's sort of now or never uh, and I had always thought in the years when he hadn't been in contact that like maybe he has already died maybe I don't even need to go through this and maybe it's just like that's it, and I'm never going to see him again. And then he made this post, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I might have to do this whole thing that really did feel kind of scripted. Like, I felt like I was like, and then the next stage, and the next stage, and the next stage. Uh, So this Facebook post was sort of the first stage of that, where I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I might have to, oh, I think that I need to maybe reach out to him. And then I left it for a little bit longer, and then he did another post post, (laughs) <laughs> he just, and he would post like other stupid things and he'd post on my wall, like little things, uh, just fun memes and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, very classic dad joke stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. You're exactly who I thought you would be. You're just a, a dad. You're yeah. like, yeah, cool. It's, it's funny, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then one day, a few months later, I'm bad at timelines, but he uh, he posted this like full body scan. Oh and I'm not a doctor, but I was like, "Oh, it's okay." So it's really bad. It's really, really oh bad. Oh my
0: god!
3: Uh, and then I reached out to him, and it was just like late at night. Um, uh, and Kevin, my partner, was like, "Just, just say hey. Heard you were sick, and that was the only message. Heard you were sick. How's it going? Like, what's up?" <laughs> and so I sent this to him, and then immediately got these long messages back of like. Yeah, but I'm going to beat it. I'm going to do this and this, and like everything's uh, going to be fine. And I was like, I, again, I'm not a doctor, but like, I don't think that you're fine. I think that we maybe need to, uh, I need to decide now if I'm going to go and pursue this because you're obviously not going to. Uh, and then I talked to my brother, um, who had been in contact, in and out of contact with him while he was a teenager and then it had sort of dropped off it sounded like Mm -hmm. uh but he had also seen the posts they were also Facebook friends uh so we made the decision to drive up to uh Timmins where he had been living for a long time um to just meet him um and I was sort of like the go between my brother wasn't really talking to him and so I was like here the days were coming and we just got an Airbnb and we we drove up there. And what was that moment like seeing him for the first time? Uh, it was surprisingly exactly what I thought it was going to be. He looked older, but essentially the same was very much what I had imagined he would be.
0: How did it feel?
3: Uh, it really didn't feel like uh, anything. Like it. Not, not that I'm like... Like, <laughs> in the moment, it was just sort of like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Like, I knocked on his door. I'd seen a picture of his house because he'd sent it to me because it's Timmins. It's hard to find, like, houses and stuff. Uh, uh, and, and knocked on the door and he opened it and was just like, it's so good to see you. And then he started crying. And I was like, I, do I pretend to cry? Like, I didn't really feel like I needed to. I didn't feel like right. it wasn't it wasn't a cathartic moment at all. Uh, which is something that I think I have since struggled with. Like, shouldn't it be like a big moment? Uh, But it it really was very understated. It was a pretty quiet moment. And then his little dog, Benny, would like hopping up. And I'm not a dog person, so I was like, ah. (laughs) Like, it was just like practicalities. And then we sat down, and then uh, we were sitting at the kitchen table. It was a very small house. And uh, then all of a sudden, my... Uh, half-brother, who I knew existed but had never met, like, popped out of the shower and was like, oh, we're doing this now, and just, like, sat down at the table. And uh, that was a more intriguing moment for me, I think, was meeting him, because we...
0: Meeting I think, a half-brother for the first
3: time. Yeah, he's twenty twenty one I guess.
0: And how long after that reunion did he pass away?
3: He... It was the Friday before Father's Day, which I think is in June. Right. So the Sunday, that Friday morning... Um, I'd known he'd gone into hospital. He had messaged me like a couple months before that um, to say it was nice to see me. And he hoped that we could come up again in the summer and hang out. Uh, And then I didn't hear anything for a while. And then finally messaged my half-brother to say like, hey, it sounds like maybe things aren't going great. And I think that I knew what was coming. Um, but I think that my, my dad was in denial about it and a lot of people were like, maybe he'll pull through. Um, so I think that I had sort of already made my peace with it. Uh, and then I, um, that Friday morning I messaged my half brother who said, no, he's, we're at the hospital with him now. He's got a few minutes. And then, so I woke up to a message of like, he's only got a few minutes left. Because uh, my brother and I here in Toronto were thinking of driving up to just say goodbye while he was in hospice care. Um, but then my brother messaged me to just say,
0: no, it's, it's happening now. Yeah. Has there been any moment that took you by surprise emotionally in uh, any of this whole process?
3: Yeah, for sure. There's been moments, but they come when you least expect them. Like,
0: like when? Walking home
3: from the subway, you're like, do, 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 everything's fine. And then you see something or, like, the air changes and you're like... and then you just have a full meltdown.
0: (laughs) About him. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, But it's always, it's always, uh, it always caught me off guard. Always. It never came in the moments when it, it's never comes in the moments
0: that you're like, oh, this would be the movie moment. Yeah.
3: But when I got the message that he had died, I was like, oh, okay. I guess I, like I turned to uh, my partner and was like, so do I, I guess I just like, do I email my work and like not, do I, I guess I don't go into work today. And then emailed work and they were like, absolutely not. Like you take the day. And I was like, I'm actually, I think that I would rather come to work. Like it was just like, it was a very, and then like a week later, I just come home and I'd have a sip of beer and just be like, bah! Uh,
0: just like for the morning. <laughs> for all for no the reason. people listening. Nope. The, she just did a visual <laughs> of crying. It was, yeah. That's what means. Like, um, uh,
3: and then it would pass, and then I would feel better. Uh, it was, uh, and then I would get confused because I was like, I should be, I should be just devastated right now, and I was devastated, but it was, uh, it, it was somewhere a very deeper for you. low key kind of,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna ask you one last thing. What do you think you got? out of reconnecting with him? I
3: think that I got I got to meet my half-brother, who's a cool guy and looks nothing like me, but we have so many of the same mannerisms. Like, our disposition is so similar. So that was fascinating. Uh, and it was cool to to meet this person who's related to me and, like, in many ways, I think very similar. Like, we really did respond physically and and just like the way that we behave, our mannerisms are very similar. So that was kind of cool. Um, I got to meet uh, people that I was related to by by marriage in many ways, but I got to meet a lot of people, which was nice. I got to realize that my dad really was the person that I thought he was, who's not a bad guy, just needed to uh, do his thing and, and figure it out. I realized that I actually... Like, while I am sort of sad that he wasn't there, I am i don't think that I'm as angry as people expect me to be and that that is a true thing as opposed to just a speculative thing. Um, and he he said something to me as we were leaving, as we were getting ready to go. He gave me a hug and said, look, uh, like, I just didn't think that you needed me and so I stayed out of your life uh, because I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> and I was wow. like... Okay, well, that's while well, that's a little bit selfish, that's also that's his truth. He was like, yeah, he was like, you you looked happy and I, I feel like he was maybe he kept better tabs on me than I think that I realized he was, either through my brother when they were communicating or through my mom or like, he was like, you turned out so great and I had nothing to do with that. and I just always knew that you would be okay. Uh, and again, while that is kind of a selfish thing, I was like, well, but you trusted me, and, uh, you know, like, I don't think, he didn't leave for any, there was no drama, there was no big reason for him leaving, he just had to do his thing, um, and I think that he was, in his own way, kind of relieved that I was okay that he did that, Yeah. I'm only speaking for me, but it was, it was kind of nice to be like, yeah, okay, that's, that's what it was, and I have your really funny memories, Cause he really could just make me laugh as a kid. And when I saw him again, he could just, he was, he's so funny with sometimes without meaning to in the ways that dads are. And I was like, yeah, you're just a dad. And that's okay. It's nice. You're not a dickhead. You're not like a, you're not a bad person. He was just, he had to do his thing.
0: Jordan, thank you for sharing something so on, <laughs> honest and being so real about it. No problem. Um, is there anything you'd like to promo? <laughs> Is I know. Worst segue in the world. It's hard. I, I've often wondered what my dad would have thought of. He was,
3: he thought that I, me doing Second City was so cool. Sure. He was like, have you met Mike Myers? And I was like, no. Uh, but he just <laughs> thought, <laughs> he thought it was the coolest job, that I had the coolest job in the world um you do have a pretty cool it's job a, it's a great
0: job tell us about the new review that's on right now the new
3: review is if i could throw back time if sorry if i could hashtag throwback time the symbols there yes of course yeah um uh i'm not sure what makes me feel older when i say it or when i don't say it you know what i mean like I think i'm not you'd sure sound old if you said a uh, pound sign pound sign throwback time yeah that's it i'm now 110 uh Uh, that's at the second city Uh, it's a brand new review it's very fun and you have another show and I have another show well I have a. I perform in a comedy duo a musical comedy with Death Ray Cabaret Uh, and we will be we just did the Toronto Fringe Uh, we're going to be doing more touring in the new year so you can check us out at deathraycabaret.com thanks for being
0: on the show And there we go. That's it. Yeah, that's a wrap on this episode of Truth Be Told, the podcast, Daddy Dearest. Don't you guys just want to fix all your dad issues now? Or should I say your daddy issues? Yeah, there's a lot of them. I'm I'm talking to you girls in your early to mid-20s. Why are you dating that old dude? He's in his 40s. Yeah, why are you doing that? Can he make you happy in the long term? I don't know. You know, he's he's robbing the cradle, but you're robbing the grave. All right, so maybe rethink that one. Guys, I'm literally just talking into a mirror right now. Yeah, listen, I'm trying to work past that. I'm trying to date less old dudes. I'm going to be honest, I love an old dude. I really do, old dudes. There's something about them. You know? They're like uh they're like a, an old car battery and it's broken down and you jolt it back to life. Okay. Let's let's stop embarrassing myself. Okay, Lindsay? Okay. Uh let's do some thank yous. Yeah. Susan, thank yous. Maybe we should thank our dads. Thank our dads for putting us on this planet and uh, giving us life. But also, I want to thank the listeners for a change. I don't do that enough. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me on this journey, on this podcast. And uh, I love your feedback. So send me a DM. Send me your thoughts on an episode. I love to hear your thoughts. Um, if you want to send me a DM, my Instagram is at Linzomullo. That's L-I-N-D-S-O-M-U-L-L-O. All right, let's thank the guests, starting with a thank you to Nick DiGaitano. Thank you so much. Meredith Cheesebro, thank you. And thank you to Jordan Armstrong. You three were fantastic. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you to Matthew Reed, who made the music for the podcast. Thank you to Catherine Fogler. Uh Catherine Vogler did the photography for the podcast. Thank you. Thank you to Kurt Furla, who did the graphic design on that photography that Catherine did. Thank you. What a great little logo I have on Apple Podcasts. It's fun. So thank you, Kurt. Thank you to Trevor Pullman. He edits with me and he does an amazing job. And thank you to the boys at the Sonar Network, Cody Crane and Michael Mongiardi you guys put out this podcast and you help so many Toronto podcasters by making sure their voices are heard out there on the internet. So thanks guys. Okay guys. Stay tuned. There will be another episode soon. Till then, have a have a lovely life. Okay? Be happy, be well. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Later.